Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Looking forward to two weeks from today when we will be singing without these mufflers on. I just can't imagine what that's, that's going to be like. That's when, and also, don't forget, that's when our times change. I think this service will be at 11, is that right? So I know folks, uh, we have folks locally, I hope you'll be able to come back, but if not, remember that it's at 11, folks from out of town. We have a lot of people from out of town, who uh, other, other places who tune into our service. Uh, Sandy's sister, I mentioned before, in Scottsdale, Arizona, today is her birthday. Happy birthday, Ginger. I thought about all of us singing happy birthday to you, but others might get jealous if we didn't do it for them, so we probably won't do that, but... Um, anyway, it's just, um, I, I really am looking forward to uh, this service two weeks from today. It's going to be wonderful for a lot of reasons. Well, this morning, we're <clears throat> finishing up uh, this series on, uh, 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 really on repentance. I've called it alignment because, as I've told you, that's really what repentance is. It's simply uh, aligning our lives so that they match up with the will of God. And when we need to make adjustments, that's what we do. And I just want to uh, kind of remind you of, of where we began all this, that um, one of the first things that we saw was that repentance was very much at the heart of Jesus's message. When he first began his ministry, he launched into it with a message of repentance that was there throughout his ministry. It was there in the other, uh, other uh, uh, letters of the New Testament as well. Um, and all that points to the fact that it just, it really does matter how we live. It's important how we live. It's important to God and it needs to be important to us. And so we've tried to see that repentance isn't a bad thing. It really is something good because it's, it's, it is a gift really that God has given us to be able to make those adjustments when, when we need to. Uh, and, and saying that repentance is important, <clears throat> that's not at all taking away from grace. Uh, but instead, it is simply allowing grace to have its full impact upon us. Uh, it is allowing grace to do what grace is supposed to do, and that is really change our lives. Now, I, I, so we need to take repentance seriously. We, we really do. We need to realign when that's what God is calling us to do. Now, having said all that, I, I know that can be an intimidating thing uh, because I, I try and I fail. Uh, and there are things that I think, well, I'll never be able to get this right. And, and just, you know, we, maybe we feel guilt uh, sometimes when we shouldn't, but it's, it's, it's there. Um, and maybe sometimes we, we don't feel guilt when we should. So getting all this right can be a very intimidating thing. And so this morning, as we, as we close out this particular series, I want to I wanna offer you a word of encouragement. Um, and I, I am just personally so pleased that this is here. <laughs> this is in the Bible. Um, and this word of encouragement is this, that in our pursuit of alignment, you, we are not on our own. We are not on our own. Uh, God doesn't just kind of say, okay, here's the book, figure it out, get it right, and I'll see you at the day of judgment. Uh, that God is so heavily invested in this journey that we're on. Uh, and so this pursuit of alignment, this pursuit of repentance, we are, we are not on our own. And I say that with full confidence. I, mean, I, don't, I don't doubt that one bit. And here's, here's why I feel that way. 
there hopefully was a time in your life, and if it hasn't happened yet, there will be a time in your life when you just became convicted of the fact that you were separated from God, and that bothered you. <laughs> you, you couldn't live that way. And so what you decided to do, or what you hopefully will decide to do at some point if you haven't, is you decided that you needed to bury your own will, that you needed to die to self, crucify your own will. And then as a result of that death, you kind of began to follow Jesus in what he did, that when he died, he was placed in the grave, and when we die to self, we also are buried, but in what we sometimes call a watery grave. We're buried in the waters of baptism. And when that happened, uh, in that moment that you, that, that, that you were buried in baptism, there was something supernatural that happened. And by supernatural, I don't mean magical, but I mean something that is beyond natural, beyond what is physical. Uh, that at that moment, you were united with Jesus. And just as his grave could not hold you, neither or could not hold him, neither can your grave hold you. And so you were resurrected from that grave, symbolically resurrected, just like Jesus was resurrected from his grave. And at that moment, the phrase we use to describe it sometimes is you were born again. You were, you were made new. But something else happened that day that is somewhat, I think, underappreciated. Not only did God welcome you into his kingdom, and not only did he wash all your sins away that day, but God placed something of himself within you. He, 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 he did that so that you, from that point on, would have a new kind of relationship with him. Uh, you now are connected with God in a way that is more personal, in a way that is more intimate. And in fact, God himself is dwelling in you as a result of that supernatural event when you were united with Jesus. He's dwelling within you. And that something that happened is what we call the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy because he is from God and he is of God. Spirit, because his work is in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm. Although the impact of his work in the spiritual realm is very much felt in the physical realm. And so the Holy Spirit was given to you that day in a way that you did not experience. The Holy Spirit was present and working in our lives, getting us to that point. But now the Holy Spirit is working in you and present in you in a way that he was not before. And that is why we can say that you're not on your own. You're not on your own in this. God's Spirit is dwelling in you. And really, this particular sermon is kind of a transition between the series on alignment and the next little mini-series we're going to do for a couple of weeks. We're going to continue to talk about what the Holy Spirit does and how He helps us in this journey. Um, and today, I want to launch into that by reading from, I think, one of the most beautiful uh sections in all the Bible. It's also, I think, one of the most challenging, but it's also one of the most encouraging, and that is from Romans chapter 8. And before we begin reading, though, I want to give you the moral of the story. I really want to tell you what, uh, maybe not what this chapter is all about, but I, I think what I personally glean from this chapter that I find very meaningful, 
And, and the, that where this is going to take us is, is this, that in our battle against sin, we are approaching it from a position of strength. Our battle against sin, which is really what realignment is. Alignment and repentance are much nicer words, but we're talking about leaving sin and, and putting ourselves uh, in line with the will of God. And we are doing so from a position of strength. We're not just kind of helplessly, you know, kind of hoping that the that Satan doesn't see us and, you know, we can kind of squeeze past those pearly gates. That, that No, that's not how it works. We are in this battle. We are making this journey from a position of strength. The decision to align our lives is ours, but the power is that of the Holy Spirit. And so as we begin reading in Romans chapter 8, look for that and see how Paul brings that out. In Romans 8, Paul is talking to people who are, you know, they're, they're having some of the same struggles that we saw from some of the other people that we've looked at, kind of what to do with the law of Moses. Uh, many people are saying that, well, you can be a Christian, but you still need to keep the law of Moses. You can follow Jesus, but you're still a Jew. And Paul saw a real conflict there, and so Paul is addressing that. And so he, he starts off with, I think, just a, such a, a powerful verse. Uh, he says, so, there, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And I think we could probably just close our Bibles up and just, just walk away right now and, and be in really good shape. What a powerful, powerful verse. I, I love the song that we sang earlier. I don't remember the, the words exactly, but the, the cross has spoken. The King of Kings has claimed me as his own. Um, we're, we're not trying to align our lives with the will of a God who is mad at us. We're not, you know, he's not saying to us, look, you folks, get your act together, and then you can come and, and be on my team. He's, he, we're on his team right now. Uh, and so I, I just, I love that that's how this begins, that this chapter where he's going to talk about all this work that the Spirit is doing, he does so by just reminding us of what is most important, that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Listen to how he develops that. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Remember, I talked a few weeks ago about how when, when Jesus died on the cross, He not only freed us from the guilt of sin, but He also freed us from the practice of sin. And that's going to be a big deal in this section. He has, he has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. And you know, last time I talked about how there can kind of be this law of repentance where we're maybe are subconsciously thinking that we've got to get everything right so that God will give us forgiveness so that we'll earn it. And Paul says, no, God, God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sins controlled over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins, free not only from the guilt of sin, but also from the practice of sin. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. And that last, last couple of phrases there is really important in what Paul is doing. Uh, because he talks about this conflict uh, between the, uh, the sinful nature, some translations say the flesh, 
and spirit. There, there's a war going on within us, and we feel that many times, don't we? Um, a pull in two directions. One is toward this sinful nature, toward the flesh, toward this life, and the other is toward the spirit and things of God. And so he develops that some more. He said, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I think in this, this journey that we're on here to, uh, to align our lives with God and to be Spirit-filled people, if we're going to do that, and if we're going to experience God's plans for us fully, we have to control and guard the gates of our minds. Um, we, we have to be sure that we are aligning, aligning ourselves with the one on whose team we are on. <laughs> that, that we're aligning our lives with His, His will, that we're guarding the gates of our minds. And I, what I mean by that, um, in part, is that we are, we're very aware of the spiritual influences present in our lives. And, and we recognize that there are some things that we're going to face. You know, I, I don't think we teach the little song anymore, be careful of lies, what you see, you know. But there are things that, that in this visual world in which we live that we might see, things we might hear, uh, things we might experience that are going to pull us away from God. And, and not just those very blatant things like, you know, like pornography. Uh, that is always a choice um, to the sinful nature. That, that is always a choice away from the Spirit, uh, and that will control our minds. And I, if that's a struggle, if that's an addiction, we, we really need to seek some help on that and, and talk to me, and I can point you in some directions where, where that can happen. But there are those kind of blatant things that are just so anti-God, you know, that, that we, we recognize that. But there are also some more subtle things that are, are really more uh, a part of the sinful nature than they are things of the Spirit. Things that might be, even be very innocent in other, in other, other ways, in other times. Um, but we, but th th they're there. And so, what does my mindset reflect? Whose side am I on in all this based upon my mindset and where I'm thinking and, and what I'm doing? I, I may have said this before, and if I have, just humor me. I'm an old guy, but uh, I remember a, a friend of mine who passed away several years ago by the name of Stanley Ship. Maybe some of you have heard of Stanley and heard Stanley speak at different places. He's a really unusual guy. And uh, I, I remember back in the 80s, I guess it was, uh, he was, he was living in St. Louis and he was coming to Bowling Green, Kentucky, where I was the campus minister at Western Kentucky University. We were hosting the National Campus Ministry Seminar that year. And Stanley was one of our speakers. And so we flew into Nashville, Tennessee, and then about an hour, hour and 15 minute drive to Bowling Green. And if you knew anything at all about Stanley, you would know that he would, of course, reserve the very cheapest car that he could get. Just, he wasn't into that sort of thing. Uh, and so he, uh, he just made that reservation. And when he got to the airport, they were out of those particular cars. And so they bumped him up to a luxury car. And so he gets in that car and he gets on the interstate and he starts heading to, to Bowling Green, and he starts thinking, man, this thing is nice. <laughs> it's really nice. And, you know, it's comfortable, and it's roomy, and it drives well, and, you know, all these nice gadgets. And, 
he, he starts thinking that, you know, when I get back to St. Louis, I need to talk to Marie, and I might want to get one of these, because this is, this is really nice. And all of a sudden, he pulls over on the interstate. This is I-65, which is about as busy as I-35, or was back then. He pulls over to the interstate, and he, this is nighttime. He gets out and walks around to the front of that car, turns and faces it, and he points his finger at it and says, I know what you're trying to do to me. <laughs> and then he, people thought he was crazy, and he sort of was, really. But then he gets back in the car, and he, and he drives on. Now, there's nothing wrong with owning a, a luxury car, but there was for Stanley. That's just not something that he wanted to do personally. There are other things he had in mind. But, but I just, you know, as I, I think about that, and I think about the things that might distract us, I wonder if there are some things that we need to point our finger at and say, I know what you're trying to do to me. That might be a healthy thing sometime to get out our, our bank accounts or our portfolio and, and point our finger at it and say, I know what you're trying to do to me. Or get out our, our resume or our degree plan, whatever it is that we're using to become more successful, and point our finger at it and say, I know what you're trying to do to me. I know where you would want me to go. Might be a good thing to do in front of the mirror sometimes. If I find myself just so, uh, so enamored and, and focused on the physical rather than the spiritual, to point my finger at that mirror and say, I know what you're trying to do to me. Point is that, that there is a certain mental discipline that goes along with being a spirit-led person. Um, there is... There is Letting our sinful nature control our mind or letting the Spirit control our mind. Which choice are we going to make? That's, that's kind of falls on us. And he, he'll talk about that even more a little bit later on. And here's, here's, why, here's why this is so important that we have that kind of, of mental discipline. He says, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Now, do you want something uh, that's a part of your life and that is exerting influence on your life that is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That is the enemy of alignment. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, he says, and I love the positive tone here, but you are not controlled by the sinful nature. It's like he's saying, well, that's, that's what we could do, but I, I, I know you're better than that. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And then he goes on and says, parenthetically, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And I want to just say, I'll say parenthetically, that um, you know I, we talked some about baptism. We had a baptism class recently. And I know that's at least that's one place where the Bible talks about the Spirit dwelling in us. You know, Peter, people were lost. They wanted to be saved. They asked Peter, what should we do? And this kind of taking it at face value, Peter says, well, you need to repent and be baptized and have your sins forgiven. And then what does he say? Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that is very much a part of this process of, of how the Spirit uh, dwells in us. And so if you haven't experienced that, maybe you grew up in a tradition that didn't practice baptism, or it was maybe sprinkling versus immersion. You'd like to talk about that. Let's have a conversation. Just you know, reach out to me, and we'll set up a time, and we'll just look at the Bible and see what it says and, and, and talk about how you can be sure that you are experiencing this full measure of the Holy Spirit. 
And it, it goes on in verse 10 and says, and, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. You're, you're not on your own here. And the Spirit of God, he says in verse 11, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. What a marvelous, marvelous gift God has given us. And He's, he's placing Himself within us in a, in a very special way. And that's why we can say that we approach realignment from this position of, of strength. But what follows, or in what follows, Paul... Um, he reminds us that, yes, it's the Spirit very much is the one driving this. He's, he's the one at work, but, but we have some responsibility. We've already talked about kind of controlling our minds and making sure they're, they're pointed uh, in the right direction. But listen to what he says about, about the responsibility that, that he puts on us, starting in verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And that phrase, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, that's, that's kind of on us, isn't it? He doesn't say if, uh, you know, if the Spirit happens to come along and kind of give you what you need, you're going to be fine. No, he says if... If through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. It's like we are the executioner and the Spirit is the guillotine. And that really is appropriate language to use because in, in Greek, this, this word to put to death meant to, to lead someone to death, to lead someone who had been sentenced to death to their execution. And that's very similar to what Paul said in Galatians 5. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. And so there's, there are just these responsibilities that, that we have, that, that, that we're, we're very much a part of this. We, we are active in being spirit-led people. He's not going to come and lead us someplace that we're not inviting him to lead us. It goes on in verse 15 and says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children, and now we call Him Abba, Father, a term of intimacy and endearment. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. We we have a role in this. There are things that we are supposed to do. And I just love what he said in verse 16, just prior to that. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's why we can say that in our pursuit of alignment, we are not on our own. And we'll talk about this some more over the next couple of sermons of, of this union between God's spirit and our spirit and, and what, what he does. I've noticed something in my life, and, and maybe you have in yours as well. I hear all this, and I, I want to be a Spirit-led person, but I've noticed that the Spirit leaks. I don't mean that the Spirit leaves us, but I, His influence leaves us. You know, there are, there are times I look at that fruit of the Spirit, 
You know, there's things the Spirit produces in our lives like love and joy and peace and patience and all those things. And I, I can be pretty good at that every now and then. I, I can do those things. Then I, I find myself kind of drifting maybe a little bit more self-absorbed and uh, maybe distracted by some of those things of the sinful nature. And I, I, I let some things come into my life that shouldn't be there. And it seems like the more I let those things in, the more the influence of the Spirit gets pushed out of my life. Uh, he, gets, he gets crowded out. And I, I think when we find ourselves in those dry seasons, that the thing to do is not start over. Now, we don't have to be baptized again. You know, well, I had the Spirit, and now I feel like I don't have Him, so I need to be, I need to be baptized again, so He'll come. No, He's still there. I, I think what we need to do is just ask. Just ask. Just ask God to send us more of what it is He already is wanting to give us. Just ask Him to give us more of the influence of His Spirit in, in our lives. Uh, more of Himself. And what I'd like to do as we close out this, this particular series in our time today is do that very thing. I'd like for us to spend some time and just in reflection and prayer uh, asking the Spirit to work in us. Asking God to send more of Himself and put more of Himself uh, in our lives and experience that influence more. As we do that, I would really encourage all of us to uh, just, I think sometimes you know, the, the physical things we do can help these spiritual uh, experiences and, and realities. And so I would encourage you just to have your hands open. Be on your lap. They can be raised above you as a way of showing God that you're open and you're ready to receive. And if, as we're going through this time of reflection, <clears throat> if there is something that really speaks to you, indicate that. Let, let God know. Just silently you know, pray to Him or maybe raise your hands even higher. Put them over your heart. I, I don't know what you need to do, but act upon that. If, if the Spirit gets your attention, then act upon that. And, um, and so I, I just encourage all of us to, to do that. So let's, for a few moments, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's, let's spend some time reflecting and, and praying. And I'll, I'll start us off. We, we cannot control ourselves and be controlled by the Holy Spirit at the same time. Christ cannot be in control if I am on the throne. And so I simply must abdicate and invite Him to take over. And so as we begin, just silently pray for a moment and reaffirm that you surrender the throne of your life to Jesus and that by faith you want to draw upon His resources to live a holy and fruitful life. Just silently pray, reaffirming your decision to make Jesus Lord. It may be that you need to invite the Holy Spirit to show you the ways He wants to work. It may be that He's already shown you and He's already called you and convicted you and you just need to act upon it. Maybe some of the ways that He's calling and influencing is that He, he wants you to, to have this personal connection with God again. Or maybe, maybe for the first time, but you're tired of living at a distance from God. He wants you to come home and to 
the Spirit is prompting you to seek that. Maybe He's prompting you to have a deeper connection with the church. The Holy Spirit has gifted you for the common good and, and you need to give of your time and your talent and your treasure. You need the church and the church needs you and maybe that's suffered over these past several months. Maybe it is a relationship or relationships in general where the Spirit wants to lead you to a new place. Love is the hallmark of the Christian. And maybe it's just lacking in you right now. Maybe you need strength to handle trials. You're just not sure you're going to make it through a trial that you're facing. The Holy Spirit is a comforter and you need His assurance. You need Him to work. Maybe it's moral courage. Maybe you've just been quenching the Spirit because of some persistent sin and been living according to the flesh, not the Spirit, and it is time to change. Would you just take a moment and silently invite the Holy Spirit to exert His power in your life in one of these areas, many of these areas, or even other things that I haven't mentioned? Heavenly Father, we thank You for saving us through the sacrifice of Your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for sending the Holy Spirit to instruct and guide and teach and comfort us. Thank You for empowering us and for providing in Your Spirit a guarantee of our promised inheritance. Because of You, this guarantee includes that we have been purchased to be Your very own people. Mighty God, we declare that we have not received a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. Instead, we have received your spirit when you adopted us as your children. The same Holy Spirit who resurrected Jesus from the dead now dwells within us. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life to our mortal bodies, just as he has given life to Christ and raised him from the dead. Holy Spirit, You are our comforter and our helper. You are indeed holy. We depend on You to remind us of everything Jesus taught while He lived on the earth. You are God's power source. And You are the teacher of all truth. We thank You for being God's representative in the earth. The one through whom God relates to all believers. The producer of the fruit of the Spirit and our advocate. We love You, Holy Spirit. And thank you for working through the church to perform miracles, signs, and wonders so that people will experience the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, continue to lead and guide our lives. As we study God's Word, reveal the kingdom of God to us and within us and help us share the kingdom in this dark, dark world. Show us those areas in our personal lives that we need to get in order so that we will not bring you sorrow by the way we live. Help us to get rid of all bitterness, unforgiveness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, show us how to be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
just as God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. Help us to release all control to you daily so that the Father's perfect will is fulfilled in our lives. And as we yield to you, please help us to organize our daily tasks and interactions around your guidance. And as a church family, help us to esteem and encourage each other so that people will see the love that we have for one another and know that we are disciples of Christ Jesus. We pray through and by the authority of the one in whose name we have been baptized, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>